6 through 10. As we make our way through Paul's letter to the church in Galatia, we saw last week that Paul was a messenger, an apostle. He was not sent by men or from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. That every day we are offered grace and peace from God the Father. Every single day the Lord offers us grace and peace despite our sin. He has come to rescue us from this present evil age, from our sins. And to Him be the glory forever and ever. Now the book of Galatians is unique because this church was on the verge of losing the gospel. They were on the verge of not even being a church. And this is the most abrupt, to the point... Introduction to any letter that Paul wrote. There's not much of a greeting and there are no accolades for the good things. In Romans he says the whole world is hearing about your faithfulness. He talks well of the Corinthians even though they had problems in that church. He talks well of the Ephesians and the Colossians. But the Galatians, he goes straight to what we are about to read today. He's going to an issue of dire importance. They're abandoning the good news. They're abandoning the gospel And in these verses, verses 6 through 10, the gospel is not defined here. He's going to do that in the rest of the book. He's going to unpack what is the gospel in the rest of Galatians, uh, in the rest of the book of Galatians. Instead, these verses are going to zero in on the absolute importance of getting the gospel of Jesus Christ correct and the consequences of what happens if we lose it. What happens when a church ceases to hold to the gospel of Christ? So let's begin reading this morning in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is accursed. For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Am I striving to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Father, we pray this morning that as we hear these words that we will understand the, our important, the importance of us understanding what it is that Jesus has done for us and what it is that we are required to do in order to have peace with God. I praise you this morning, Father, with all of my heart that this morning grace and peace is extended to us, not only to those who believe, but even those in this congregation today who might not believe. That right now, you are extended to them out of your benevolence and kindness, grace and peace. You're holding out the fig leaf of peace to us. So Lord, this morning I pray that each and every one of us will grasp it, will revel in the peace that you give, that our souls will be at rest in you because we have embraced your Messiah and know that there is no other way apart from him by which we can be saved. Be with us this morning, Father. Christ's name we pray. Amen. One thing that we learn from this passage, right off the bat, is that a good church can turn into a no church. 
A good church can turn into a no church. Many years ago now, because I'm getting old, but my wife's not, we went to the Northeast. You remember that time? We went to Vermont, we went to New Hampshire, we were on a mission trip. In the early days of the Americas, there were a lot of healthy, thriving churches. In fact, we know that the Puritans came and settled in those places and they made good churches that were preaching and teaching the gospel of Christ. But what Amy and I saw as we went through there, the churches there were no longer churches. Most of them were museums. A lot of them were museums. Some of them had gone from being Puritan churches to being Universalist Unitarian churches. The same churches that those folks built when they came over in order to enjoy religious freedom, in order to try to start something new, founded on the gospel of Christ, their churches are now either museums or Universalist churches. They were once thriving and orthodox and now they are extinct. So just because a church has a good beginning, or is even within a good denomination, it does not mean that that church holds to the gospel of Christ. Things change. And without careful oversight and consistent biblical teaching, the church can devolve into an apostasy in a startling short period of time. And the Galatian church is a prime example of this. How old do you think this church is when he writes this letter? At most, it's 20 years old. So our church here, about 11 years old, 10 years old. So the Galatian church was only twice as old as ours. And already they had abandoned the gospel. And this church was not founded by just folks like us, even though we are saints by calling. <laughs> These people had access to the apostles who walked with Jesus. The apostles were still alive and able to write them letters, as we see here. And they had become in danger of abandoning the gospel. If it can happen to them, it can happen anywhere at any time. And Paul is astonished that this church is sliding into apostasy. He doesn't have much words of greeting. He's like, I am amazed. I am astonished that the gospel, which was delivered to you, you are now in danger of losing it. Such a young church. How does this happen? Quite easily. The church ceased to pursue Christ by faith and began to pursue Christ by works. By thinking that they would make of themselves good people by keeping the law of God. By which no one will be justified. Nobody ever will stand before the throne of God and be justified because they kept the law of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so Paul is amazed that they've abandoned the good news, which is what gospel means. Because when you abandon the gospel of grace to law, that is not good news. Because for one thing, you can have peace with God when you realize that your salvation is all about Christ giving of himself for you, rising from the dead, and all you have to do is love him. Once you enter in, I've got to keep these laws, you will never have peace with God because you will never feel good enough because you will never be good enough. That's not good news. And there's no peace there. And this is why Paul is astonished. Why in the world would you give up salvation by grace through faith for salvation by keeping the law. Why would you do that? 
congregation can cease to pursue Christ by faith. And when they cease to pursue Christ by faith, they cease to pursue Christ with their heart. They begin to pursue works. They cease to pursue Christ with their mind. They do not love him with all of their heart, with all of their soul, and with all of their strength. And the gospel is abandoned for law-keeping, for pride, and for comparison between people. And that's a horror. So how does the church lose the gospel? Well, let me ask you this question. I'm, 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 you don't have to answer out loud because it'd be, be a mess. There's a lot of people in here. Friend, what is the gospel? If I were dying, you came upon me and I had rolled my car over and it was clear that I was not going to live very much longer. And I looked at you and I said, good sir, ma'am, what must I do to be saved? What would you say? What would you say before a group of your peers if they said, what do you believe it takes for someone to be saved? Would you be confident in your answer? Would you know what to say? And if pressed, would you be able to defend your answer? What if you had to go before a group of people who denied the gospel and they wanted to know what the gospel was? Would you be able to defend what you believe? Would you be able to say the gospel? Would it make you nervous? If you had a friend who was lost, would you want to share the gospel with him? Or would you rather call me? Why are you calling me? I don't have a gospel any different than you. God's put that person in your life for you to serve them. I'm not saying I wouldn't go. I'm saying God's positioned you to go. What is the gospel? And if you are nervous, unsure, unsteady about that answer, that is how the gospel is lost. Your salvation depends upon you understanding these things. To pass on the baton of faith, we need to know what the faith is. Some of us are coasting. And we don't know it, but we're legalists. We think we're good people. And the Bible says everywhere, we are an evil, wicked generation. We will never see heaven apart from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never have peace with God. And we are so distracted with every piece of entertainment and beautiful thing that our world has created that is only an image and shadow of our creator. We're so endlessly distracted with television, phones, video games, uh, marriage, yes, children, yes, sports. You wake up this morning, your phone wakes you up, you look at your phone, you're screaming through Facebook, you're barely awake. You get up, you, you, you go get a shower, at night, you come home from, and then you go to work, and you work all day. And then you come home from work, and you watch TV, and you go to sleep, and you start the cycle all over again. Are you taking any time to see if you understand what is so important for the salvation of your soul? Because that's how the gospel gets lost. Can we defend it? Can we defend the gospel? Would it make you nervous? Do you know what you believe? A good church can turn into a no church in a span of time. So short. We've seen that over and over again in history. Not only a whole church can turn away from the gospel, anyone who teaches the gospel contrary to what the apostles delivered is accursed. 
That's what Paul says. He says in verse 8, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, accursed be on him. If I preach to you this morning something other than the gospel of Christ, I stand under a curse. I'm cursed myself because I don't know the gospel, and I'm cursed because I'm leading you astray. Anyone who teaches another gospel is accursed. Paul quickly explains that there really is no other good news. There is no other good news under the sun. There's only one good news. The rest might look like good news, but they're actually terrible news. They're terrible news because they can't do what they say they will do, and they're terrible news because they bring no peace with God. And Paul says that even if an angel should fly from the throne of God and come here and preach to us a gospel other than what we've received in these scriptures from these apostles, that angel is accursed. Doesn't matter how glorious the person looks. Doesn't matter their reputation. If they change the message of the gospel, they are under a curse. So if you teach people a false gospel, you are accursed. It's my job to disciple you into the heart of the gospel so that you will not fall under that curse. Strikes right at the heart of our pluralistic society. There are not many paths to heaven. There are not many paths to heaven. There is only one way. We talked about this last week. I'll talk to you about it again today. If you look in John chapter 14, those disciples were not so bright, exactly like the disciples in this room. And Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. Where I'm going right now you can't come, but I'm going to come back and get you. And Philip says, Lord, how can we get there? We don't even know where you're going. What did Jesus say? Philip, I am the way. He is the only way. There is no other way. Jesus says that the only way to enter into the sheepfold is through him. And he is the door. Jesus is the only way for mankind to have peace with God. Because we are weighed down with the burden of sin. And no amount of work, no amount of good can make up for the bad. No amount of good will make up for the bad. Because even when you think you're doing good, you're not. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. There are not many paths to heaven. Everyone is not going to be okay. We cannot ignore Jesus and his gospel and sneak into heaven. It will never happen. There is only one way and there is only one gospel and there is only one son that has pleased the Father and that is Jesus Christ. And he loves him more than a thousand million worlds and more than a billion billion souls. His son is more precious to him than anything that has ever been or ever will be. The father has exalted him and given him a name that is above every name so that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and the glorious only begotten son of his father. And anyone who will not love him is forever condemned. He will turn us away in a heartbeat if we will not embrace his son. He loves him. At his baptism, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And if we want to have the adoration and love and affection of the heavenly father, we must embrace his only son. And when we do, he loves us like children. For Christ has come to bring us peace. Anyone who teaches a gospel other than that is forever accursed. 
We have to think, have we received the gospel in the first place? Is it possible that it has been lost to us? That maybe we are wrong? The gospel can be distorted in a place like Galatia. With the apostles still alive, the apostles are still alive, less than 20 years after Jesus' resurrection, are you sure you've received the genuine article yourself? Are you sure you've received the gospel? Are you sure you know? Roman jailer asked a good question one time with Paul and Silas when they were in jail, right? They're singing and praising the Lord, and the Lord sends an earthquake. The doors fly open. They're about to kill themselves. He's about to kill himself. Paul cries out, do not do yourself any harm. We are all still here. And he comes in trembling with a torch and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must you do? If we hear and articulate a false gospel, we will be accursed ourselves. It is therefore then of paramount importance that you learn. You learn to discern. You cannot piggyback onto heaven on my back. I cannot get you there. I'm just a messenger. Only a messenger. Not worthy to wash the feet of the Savior. <laughs> Can't hold water for the apostle. This word is all I have. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20 verse 30 when Paul was speaking to the men of the church of Ephesus, he says, from among your own selves will arise men distorting things to draw away the disciples after them. From within the church there will come false teaching. In fact, one of the apostles themselves began to fall away from the gospel. Did you know that? We're going to learn about it in chapter 2. Peter began to withdraw himself from the Gentiles. God had said there is no more slave or free, no more Jew or Greek. There was no requirement of the law. There was no more clean and unclean for everything received by faith was made clean by God. And yet when these Judaizers came to Antioch, Peter began to withdraw himself from the Gentiles and eat only with the Jews. Once again building up the dividing wall which Christ himself had torn down. And the Apostle Paul came and confronted him to his face before the entire church. And the Bible says, because Peter stood condemned. If anyone brings to you a gospel other than what is delivered in this scripture, whether it be apostle or angel or what, they stand condemned. Do you understand the gospel? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? How are you going to help me? What do I need to do to be saved? Do I need to... Do some great deeds. Do I need to give away all that I've owned to the poor? Do I need to give my body that it might be burned for the sake of the gospel? Must I go and be a missionary in a wild place where they've not heard the gospel? Is this what I must do to be saved? Must I give up my life, my children? What do I need to do to be saved? What work can I do to be saved? How can I be pleasing to God and have peace with the Father? Where will I go? What must I do? Or how you answer that question is very important. Because there are troubled souls out there who are absolutely undone by sin. And some of them, by the grace of God, feel the weight of that sin and they feel that they are not at peace with God and they know that something's not right in the world. How will you help them? Will you tell them they need to go to church? You need to start going back to church. Why don't you come to church with me? 
Is that what Paul said to the Roman jailer who fell trembling before him? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, he said. Paul had no power to confer salvation. But Christ did and does. There is no other way. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to ascend into heaven and bring down salvation for yourself. For Christ himself has descended from heaven to bring salvation down to us. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. All our sins, though they be as black as night and as heavy as lead, the Lord Jesus Christ can dispel them all. All we must do is love him. And if we love the one whom God has sent, the Father will love us too. That is the gospel. How do we lose the gospel? We don't know what it is. We think that we can do something to be saved. We begin to add things to the gospel. We begin to judge people by what we think are necessary outcomes of believing the gospel. But let me tell you something. There's a lot of folks who are redeemed by the blood of Christ who are still outright scoundrels and they don't even know it. And there are some people who you might think are scoundrels who are absolute saints of God, but we don't even know holiness when it hits us in the face. We are fallen. And we need to hold fast to Christ, our only hope. The Lord will judge his servants. Anyone who teaches another gospel is accursed. And how do we get there? How do we start losing the gospel? Paul says this here in verse 10. For now am I trying to persuade people or God? Am I striving to please people? If I, was try, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Here's how we lose the gospel. We start trying to please others and that leads to our ruin. The greatest temptation that you will ever have with your family, with your friends, in spiritual conversations, is that you want to please them. You don't want to upset them. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't want them not to like you. And so we will hedge on the truth. Or we won't say the truth and we will hold back. And that's how we begin to fiddle with the gospel and ruin it. I'm going to tell you something hard today, can I? You can have you a 4th of July party at the church if you want to. You can shoot off fireworks and you can sing God Bless America. But brothers and sisters, that ain't the gospel. You can get here, you can get people in here with it, but you can't get them to heaven with it. Because there ain't going to be no United States of America in heaven. There's going to be one kingdom under God, and it's not the United States. It is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ represented by every tongue and tribe and nation, and Jesus will brook no rival, not the United States, not Russia, not nobody. We are an outpost of heaven in the midst of a fallen world, and we must be a bright light to people who say the only way to heaven is Christ. Whatever you bring people to the church is what you'll keep them with. And so we're going to bring them, we hope, with the gospel of Christ, that Christ saves sinners by grace through faith and that there is no other way. And if people don't like that, we cannot change it for them. You can get people all kinds of ways. I'm not saying don't be hospitable. We should be hospitable. You can do all other sorts of stuff that you want to do, but don't confuse things with the gospel that aren't it. We want to please people, 
We want people to be saved. Listen to this. Did you know that your desire for other people to know Christ can lead you astray from the gospel? Because you think, oh Lord, look at all these lost people. How are we going to reach them? We're going to do all these things. We're going to have this party. We're going to do these things. I'm not saying these things are bad anymore. And I'm saying marriage and children are bad. But those things can distract you from the gospel too. So you come up with all these plans and these schemes to get people in. And in the midst of all that party and hoopla, you never confront people with sin, the shame of it, and the fact that if they do not bow the knee to Jesus and give up everything for him, if their identity is not firmly and only located in Christ that they're doomed, we're not helping the people we want to help. Jesus Christ preached a message one time based around the Lord's Supper. He said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And everybody turned around and left. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, do you want to go too? <laughs> what in the world kind of strategy is that, Lord? Peter said, no. Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. That's good. The old Puritans used to say the same sun that hardens the clay melts the ice. That's what the gospel does. Some it will harden. Some it will melt. Our job is not to mess with the gospel. It's to tell people the only hope is through Christ. We will be tempted to Change the gospel to please people, even to get them in here and even to get them to stay. We'll make it less absolute. We'll be tempted to act like everybody's going to be okay when we know they're not. Because we forget this very important lesson that we learned last week, and we're going to close with this lesson. The ultimate goal of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not to save people. The ultimate goal of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Whether we eat, whether we drink, whether we evangelize, or whether we have a party, we do everything to the glory of God in Christ. The ultimate goal of the gospel is the exaltation of Jesus. Salvation of sinners is a means to that end. But if we think the sinners are the point, my friends, we'll lose the gospel. Because sometimes Jesus looks people in the eye and says, do you want to go too? We might lose our building. We might lose our church. We might lose everything. Well, Jesus said, if you're not prepared to lose your mother and your brother and your sister and your father and your aunt and your uncle and everything you've got for my name's sake, you're not worthy to be my disciple. For whoever wants to keep his life will lose it. Whoever wants to keep his life, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Hard words. Hard words. I don't want to run anybody off. I love people. I don't love them more than Jesus did. We have to be serious about the gospel because it's so beautiful and Christ's glory is in it. We have to be Serious and careful and joyful about it. You take a baby home. Some of you, God has let you have children. Have a little baby. First one especially. 
wrap it up like a little burrito, hand it to you. You don't have a clue what to do with it. It's so beautiful, so terrifying. It's a little life, depending on you feeding it. Beautiful and terrible at the same time. Wonderful and sleepless. That's what they are. They're little things that bring sleeplessness. Many times, every parent, even anybody who's ever kept a kid, you got a little baby in there, you sneak in there at night, the lights are out. You don't want to wake the baby up, but you want to make sure it's alive, right? Because <laughs> it's being so quiet. It's never slept this long before. This is two hours straight. You're exhausted. Your face is this close to the baby. Your wife walks in. What are you doing? Is he breathing? Don't wake him up. What if he's not breathing? I should try to wake him up. This is insanity that grips you when you have a child. Isn't that precious and scary and wonderful? That's the gospel. The gospel that you have in this earthen vessel which you carry around, that's your body, clay pot, is the means by which God saves the world. Is it alive in you? Have you nourished it? Do you feed it? What am I going to do with it? i got to share it. i got to share it so that people can understand. If they won't have this treasure that's in this clay pot, I'm not changing it for them. Too precious. It's the only way. It's the truth. Do you understand why Paul says, I am astonished that you have left the gospel of Jesus Christ for this garbage of works? What are you thinking? If an angel comes down and tells you that this is not the gospel. If they tell you a different gospel, they're accursed. If I come back and preach something other than what I preach, let me be accursed. This is precious. Beautiful. Brothers and sisters, there is no other gospel than this. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe on him will never perish but have everlasting life. That through... His blood, Jesus offers for us a new covenant, not an old one, the new one. And here is the requirements for his people. It is not wear two different, don't wear a garment of two different kind of things, don't shave your hair on the side, don't eat shrimp, don't eat catfish. It says, believe on the Son whom he has sent. Repent of your sin and embrace Christ and you will be saved. That's good news. So all of you sorry sinners in here, myself included, here is the good news. Christ loves you, gave himself for you, rose from the dead. The Father sent him to save you. The Holy Spirit will live with you, will not leave you as an orphan, but every day will whisper in your heart, as it says in Romans, God is your Father. God is your Father. You are his son, and you are his daughter. And nothing not life or death or sin or hell or devils or demons or anything else in this world will ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He has set his affection on you from all eternity. And if he has given up for you his only begotten son, how will he not also give to you everything? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we 